Hello and welcome to Movie Theater Time Machine's Lobby. Hey, I'm here today with one of the greats um, that you've seen. Another, hey, it's that guy kind of person and a great actor. Um, he's been in many different roles. Uh, you know him probably as Eugene from Greece and many, many, many others that he's gone through. Um, Eddie Deason, man, welcome. Thank you so much, Nick. And Nick, by the way, I have had women say that when I was in a police lineup. They go, hey, it's that guy. Got into a lot of trouble that way. Yes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, dude, it's it's a real pleasure to meet you, and it's a real cool thing to go through this. And I, what we like to do on this show is really try to get a good idea of who the person is behind, you know, all the roles and everything. You know, okay. your memories, your favorite things. And I like to get started with the first thing I'm really curious with is. Um, mm -hmm. What was your earliest memory in acting? And I mean, how do you think it all got started with you being a character? I, uh, okay, that's a great question. I'm trying to think the very earliest. Uh, I was always a ham in school. I was always a class clown. Did I do anything in kindergarten? I was always getting in trouble. First grade, um, the first one. I would, get, I would be in plays in school, I remember. Uh, there was a, a classic story called Pandora's Box. I don't know if you know that. Pandora opens the box and trouble comes out. Yeah, I know it is, yeah. And I played trouble. I played trouble and you I jumped around the stage, made everybody laugh. I, I played trouble like an idiot. I did something like that. Believe it or not, you won't believe this. And you're the first interview I've ever told this to. I did a Shakespeare play once. I swear to God, it really? was one with, I was Macbeth. I had one line. I was Duncan and I had yeah. one line. They go, hail Duncan. And I said one line. So that was my one Shakespeare play. And oh yeah, Nick, my big one in high school was I conducted the band. I was in high school. I was about my junior year. And the, it, was, it was all the kids were there. It was a packed house in the auditorium. And they said, we're going to draw somebody from the audience to conduct conduct the band and everyone knew me as a class time it was fixed it was a rigged thing to go you know row row 32 ck and they drew it they knew i was sitting there they had me planning and they drew it and they called me up i went on stage i conducted pop goes the weasel i did it i clicked my heels and i did a pratfall i brought the house down that was a big event really you had to be there but it killed the house and nick there was i'm sure you know this is a guy we've all gone through it there was a girl i had a huge crush on and after the show, all the girls were crowding around me. They made a big circle in there. And I saw the girl looking at that. So that really made my day. I saw the girl I had a crush on, unrequited love. She saw the girls around me, you know, so that really made me feel good. Yeah. And then, you know, Nick, of course, all the influences, you know, I, I'm not necessarily me doing it, but the Three Stooges I was into since I was about four years old. Steve and I were talking about it. I started watching the Three Stooges when I was literally like four or five in kindergarten. The oh, Marx yeah. Brothers, Laurel and Hardy, <laughs> Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. You know, all these guys had a huge influence on me. They they made me love comedy. Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, you know, and I go, that's oh, what I love. Wow. Not that I'm yeah. in their, their league, you know, but these are the guys that, you know, it's like any baseball player. You know, they see Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio right. and yeah. Ty Cobb and they aspire to that, you know. I can I can understand what you mean with that one. And it makes sense that the Three Stooges were an early influence. Yeah. You know, so what I, what I would ask you here is do you prefer more Shemp or Curly? Oh, please. Curly's my favorite comedian of all time, period. The comedian that's made me laugh the most is Curly. Shemp is not a throwaway. People think, oh, if you like Curly, you hate Shemp. I don't hate Shemp. He gave no, me some good laughs, but Curly yeah. was an artist. Curly was an yeah. aesthetic artist. There was nothing aesthetic about Shemp. Curly was aesthetic in the sense Chaplin was. If you look at some of his moves, he was an aesthetic ballet dancer, Curly. He was a fat guy, but he was very graceful. Right. You know, like Jackie Gleason, you know, Fatty Arbuckle. These were very graceful right. men, even though they were big, obese guys. But Shemp was like a sloppy comedian. He was just he was just all over the map and but but he had some funny lines and he'd throw out these corny lines off the side so he made me laugh too sometimes but the curly ones are the classics you know i totally agree with you yeah so i totally agree with you i think you know in some ways the classic lineup is always the best and i mean what yeah yeah what... in the movies too by the way just yeah. getting into something the movies nick steve yeah. and i were talking again how why do they do sequels to these great films why was there grease too have... you know why do you do idea. oh god we were talking about what a great beautiful movie oh god is one of those beautiful movies ever right. and they do two terrible sequels you know why do they do that and the answer is obviously the buck you know they the, right. the movie makers want to make the gelt you know but it's horrible for the artists the artists want to make a great product move on to a new one and, and you know right that's what writers are for they create new stuff but it's kind of like you want to piggyback onto this great thing and try to you know parasite yourself off and make more money off it greece is like this cash cow you know they had that horrible series the rise of the pink ladies you know earlier this year i mean it was so lame so incredibly bad but you know they're still trying to milk greece after 45 years now after 45 years i mean why do you think it's such a legacy i mean why do you think it still holds up 
Well, Steve and I were watching it about, um, we watched it two or three months ago, and we were both kind of down. We were both going through that time down period, and we watched it, and we both felt great. It's like, it's one of the ultimate feel-good movies. You just watch it, and it's such a feel-good movie. The music, the, uh, the characters, everything about, everything beautiful. But, you know, when you have a classic, you uh, you know this, Nick, everything comes together. You know, The Wizard right. of Oz, Citizen Kane, Grease, these are all-time classics. And, you know, the script is obviously where you start. you got to have a great script. The actors the direction, the cinematography, you know, the, the little nuances, everything goes good in it, you know, and it, Greece is just one of those things. Everything came together. Yeah, it was just a beautiful thing. Of course, John and Olivia carried it. There's no question. They were right. the core of it. But Randall Kleiser was, he was my first director and he was a wonderful, super great guy director. The songs are unbelievable. You know, the soundtrack is unreal. It's, it's, every song's beautiful. My favorite is Grease Lightning, but every, every song Grease hits, you know? Yeah, we uh, we have one of our co-hosts, Dan, who actually, he was in the Grease play in high school. Mm -hmm. You listen to some of our episodes, I believe he mentioned it, but he um, he was one of the Grease dancers, you know, during, okay. you know, during the main Grease Lightning song. And he's doing that and he punched the cardboard card and accidentally um, accidentally punched one of the stage lights. Oh, you just hear the that. car with grease lightning. You mean no, grease lightning? Gong. Oh, oh I see. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he tells it way better than I do. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I, again, a play you screw up and you screw up. A movie, obviously, you just do take two. A right, movie you yeah. can screw up as bad. You know, yeah. you can have your own pants unzipped and everything comes up. If you just do okay, take two. But in the play, you're right. Play, you're stuck. You screw up. You screw right. up. Yeah, they just. I think they just played it off and just kept going, and he just yeah. Left. Stage. Yeah, I think I mean again, he tells the story way better than I do. Uh -huh. uh, he said with the, you with um, we were first and favorite uh, directors here. Um, what was it that made it so memorable for you when you were on that set? I mean, was there any big memories? Well, it was, you know, Nick, it was my first film and, you know, yeah. like your first lover. Everybody has your first lover. Everybody remembers their first lover, the first yeah. time, you know, with their lover. They always remember that. Their first boyfriend, their first girlfriend. You always remember that. I don't drive, but everybody remembers their first car. You know, you remember your first yeah. grade teacher. And Greece was my first film. I lucked out. You know, Nick, a, a lot of stars, you look the biggest stars, and their first film was like this horrible turkey, you know. I right. think, uh, you know, it'll be some like, okay, let's say Travolta, for example. He did a film called The Devil's Reign. Nobody right. knows, and he had one line, blasphemer, right. and he played the creep. But, you know, it, but I, I, my first film was a classic. I lucked out, you know. And it was Randall's first film, too. Believe it or not, that was Randall's first film. He did that great of a job, and it was his very first movie. So you always remember your first. And it was it was a joy from beginning to end. The people ask me, what was it like doing Grease? And I go, do you remember the greatest part of your life, the funnest, greatest part of your life you've ever been to? And I go, imagine going to that party every day for two months. And that's what it was like. It was like every day going to set was like going to a party. I mean, I loved all the cast. John and Olivia couldn't have been nicer. I loved Randall. I loved the crew. I loved all the extras were wonderful. All the dancers were just lovely, nice people. There wasn't one, you know, movies are like work. You know, you go to a job and you're working with a dick, you know, and it, you don't want to go to work because of this one guy. And right. it, you know, a movie you can have, like, let's say there's 100 people in the movie. And you have this one annoying person. And I always go, it's like a person taking a piss in a big swimming pool. It ruins it, you know. You take a piss and this one guy urinates and it ruins the pool. It ruins the fun of the swimming pool. And that's what it is on a movie. And I'm sure that's what it is for people with work. This is what I tell people, though. When you have a regular job and you work with a dick or a jerk, you're stuck. But on a movie, you know, you do it for a couple weeks and you're gone. So you kind of just put up with them and you move on. You never see them again. That's why I feel sorry for my friends. And they go, my boss is a jerk or my coworker is a jerk because you're stuck, unfortunately. Wow, man. Wow. I mean, I never really thought about it that way. And, you know, when you did that iconic character of Eugene, I mean, one of the things that I kind of noticed looking through some of the movies is, you know, you kind of some of your roles seem to be similar. And, you know, yeah. but you seem to really just embrace that character. And I mean, a lot yeah. of people really, as we've interviewed some who really just want to try to get out of that role. Right. Uh, or get out of it doing something else like the um, an actor who's always wanted to like Matthew McConaughey wanted to stop doing rom-coms and wanted to do something different. What is it with you that where you wanted to go to a point where it seems like you don't take yourself as seriously, but it's like you dive right into the craft? Yeah, I'm not an actor in the sense that Matthew is, of course, he's a great actor. You know, the, right. the wonderful actors, you know, Bogart, Jimmy Cagney, and, and, you know, of course, De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, Paul Newman, they're great. So they can play any kind of role. I'm I'm more of a stock comedian, you know, like the ones in it. You know, you know, Chaplin plays the same role. Not that I'm in the league of these guys, but Chaplin, Jerry Lewis, yeah. uh, Bob Hope, you know. 
they always pretty much play the same character. And that's me. I'm not an actor in the sense I'm, I'm a comedian. I'm a comic actor or comedian, not in the sense that I can play another kind of character. I mean, I, people have said, if you ever wanted to try a straight, well, maybe I could do it. I could probably do it, but I, I, I had no desire to. I just think I have my little niche, you know, and I'm good at my niche. You know, nobody can play my character better than me. He's a nerdy goofball. I based him on, a, you know, there's a lot of Jerry Lewis, early Jerry Lewis in him. And also Nick Daffy Duck. I, as I was a kid, I worshipped Daffy Duck. And you see that in my character. Hey, you guys, what are you doing here? Da, 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 da. And you see me Dexter's Laboratory, you know, his man. Right. Daffy Duck. Yeah, Daffy Duck was a huge influence on me. I just, his cartoons kill me. He's my favorite cartoon character by far. And I loved him since I was a kid. And I, I based so much of my character on him. I never got a chance to meet Mel Blanc to thank him. That, okay, that just kind of blew my mind because then I could see this now. Yeah. You say, like, is there a particular role where it's like you saw something and you said Daffy Duck would be really good here? Just that I, I love the character. I thought, you know, have you ever, I think everybody, you know, we all have our favorite movies and I yeah. think we all have favorite characters. You fall in love with a character. And I yeah. just, in those cartoons, I just fell in love with them. I mean, the Warner Brothers cartoons, we all know are the greatest cartoons ever. And, you know, right. and I love Bugs yeah. Bunny makes me laugh all the time. He's funny. Yeah. Uh, Fogburn Lakehorn makes me laugh. Roadrunner Wally Cody make me laugh. Porky Pigs once in a long while. But, and, you know, the generic ones are funny. You know, the, the frog that, you know, sings, that's a funny one. The, yeah. the Warner Brothers cartoons yeah. are great, but, but Daffy Duck was the one that hit you know that that knocked me out it's it's like a girl you know a woman or a woman fall in love with a man or a man with a woman it's just your subjective taste you know i, I like a woman with da 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 and this one's weird and you know john lennon fell in love with yoko ono you know we we look at yoko ono we go she's a loser she has no talent blah 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 not to be mean no offense to yoko but you look at her and you go this guy could have any woman in the world and he falls in love with that but to him she was a queen you know she was the most beautiful talented woman in the world that's how he saw her and that's subjectively how we see it and that's how we see movies you know have you ever, Nick, you know, you see a movie, you go, this is the greatest movie, and another guy, ho-hum, they don't like you. And I'll go, right. Tombstone's oh, the greatest movie. Yeah. They go, oh, I didn't like Tombstone. I go, did we see the same movie? Are you serious? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've met people over yeah. there who didn't like Grease. We had a waitress the other day. Steve and I went out to a place called Delaney's. We were eating, and a very yeah. nice waitress. She liked the Polar Express, and she, I, oh, I did like Grease. No, I didn't like Grease. She, just, she was very blunt. I never liked Grease. I just didn't like it. And my old roommate, Freddie, he didn't. Now, interestingly, after about 45 years, he went with me to, to premiere of Grease, my friend Freddie, and he hated it for 45 years and he just saw it recently he said you know what this is a good movie so that kind of proves you can change your viewpoint too you can you can yeah. like him hate a movie and like it or turn around maybe like it and dislike it you know it, it's all you know it's all in your head it's all subjectively in your aesthetic mind yeah i mean we i understand what you mean by that i mean for movie theater time machine we've done almost 400 movies at this point right over yeah six years and there's some that we've brought that were childhood favorites right I'm one that I, you know, other co-hosts brought up, you know, we should watch The Princess Bride. Right. It wasn't my favorite. It yeah, was, yeah. It was one of those that's just like, okay, wow. I'm like, okay, it just Nick, didn't stick as the Nick, do you watch? do you know the classics, Nick? The classics yeah. in the 30s and all? Don't worry about, yo. Yeah. Do you go back that far and all that? You know, all the oh, classics? Yeah. I yeah, have heard this one, Nick. Steve and I go to the library and, you know, Steve is the greatest guy. He rents me out and, you know, he gets me all my favorites. Yeah. Hard Day's Night, Tombstone, yeah. my favorite movies of all time. And there was one I heard about Ernest Lubitsch directed Trouble in Paradise. And I go, okay. oh, I Trouble in Paradise. I finally found the Holy Grail. I've been looking for this for months. And I watched it a couple days ago and I, I was bored out of my mind. I thought it was so lame. I got nothing right. out of it. Yeah. Why is this called a classic? I get nothing out of it. So, you know, what people regard as a classic, it might not be in your mind a classic. I, I agree with you. And I mean, there's one that we did um, many, many years ago it was a movie that I saw. I revered this as one of the best movies of all time. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't say, remember what the title was, but it lived in a pre-internet world where I'd run up to my friends and I saw it on the sci-fi channel. Mm -hmm. you know, years back it was this guy who goes to this high school he's not you know he's an out-of-towner he has to make friends and the only thing he could get into is the science club and he drinks prune juice he found in the wall and then gets telekinetic <laughs> abilities and then we're like that's a weird one right 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 they're like oh yeah this is the weirdest movie i've ever seen and it's it's on youtube dude and it's uh, it's a movie called zapped again Okay. And, you know, my wife found it and she said, Oh, this is going to be it. Cause that's one I've been like revering for years. Finally mm -hmm. reviewed it and I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. It has laughs, but I mean, it's just, and I get what you mean because there are some that we've done. Um, 
about a year and a half ago or so, my grandmother passed away. We did some of her favorite movies um, just to kind of, you know, get through the grieving process. And luckily the co-hosts were very, very willing for me to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some... The grieving process over what? I'm sorry. When my grandmother passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Nick, my mom passed away last year. And I, Steve, yeah, I, I, I think about her every day. That was, I, yeah, so... I'm so I, I still sorry. haven't been able to pay my text. I was in, she passed away. Okay. I was in the hospital and I couldn't right. get out to pay my text and go to her funeral. So I still haven't seen her, her grave yet. I want to go and pay my respects. That's one of my Seriously? bucket lists, my goals. I got to get back to Maryland to see her. Wow. Oh man. I hope you do. I mean, you're, yeah. you're yeah. far away. I mean, it's a, it's a day's drive, but yeah, I'll get up there. Yeah. And I mean, one of the movies that came out was Liza Minnelli's, um, it was, I think it was Cabaret, I believe. Okay. You know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a good musical. It's not my favorite, but I, I have a friend who loves it. Yeah, I I like it. I liked it, but it was one of those that was one of her top favorite. Oh my gosh, you have to see this! Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. It just took a while, man. It took a totally. while. I had that. You know what I had that with Nick? I had it with Kelly's Heroes. My friend yeah. Polly, the, the greatest movie you got to see. Kelly's Heroes is better than the Dirty Dozen. And I didn't get into Kelly's Heroes, whereas I love the Dirty Dozen. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And Kelly's Heroes didn't do anything for me. You know, yeah. it's, again, it's it's just all subjective taste. And I think you're right. And I mean, it is really subjective. So, I mean, like with the with the long career that you've had, like what is um, what is it that makes a classic, though? I mean, even though it's a very subjective world, what do you think makes a classic movie versus? Well, again, it, it's something that people can associate with. They can associate with the characters. Uh, they it moves them, you know. It, it, if it's a musical, it makes you feel good and wonderful. If it's a drama, it makes you cry. If it's a comedy, it yeah. makes you laugh. And you you, you like characters. Like I saw, you know, I was watching uh, Steven Spielberg was interviewed by uh, it was uh, Dick Cavett or one of these old interviews, David Frost, and Spielberg was doing interviews in these days. And they said, what went wrong with 1941? And he had a, an interesting insight, which I never heard. And it, it's interesting. He goes, there were no likable characters. There was no real characters that you really liked in that movie. Right. Really nice characters. And I, I think, you know, Greece, of course, there's everybody's root for Danny and Sandy, you know, the star-crossed lovers. Polar mm -hmm. Express, of course, they're nice characters. They're four really nice characters. Know-it-all is kind of dicey, but the other three are nice. And know-it-all turns good in the end. The Wizard of Oz, you know, these are four really nice characters. Laurel and Hardy, as dumb as they are, you know, the, the, Oliver Hardy said, they said, what made Laurel and Hardy great? And he goes, these were two nice guys. They were two really yeah. nice guys. They were trying hard and they screwed up, you know, and the one guy was dumb and the other guy thought he was superior and he was actually dumber than the dumb guy. But he goes, they were really nice nice guys and that's why people like them so much wow man wow i you know you hit a point you yeah a point 41 there. is it's a mixed bag 41 it's got a great cast you know it didn't quite the gags aren't that funny i don't know it just kind of just missed steve had a great kind steve had a great realization he goes if bob zemeckis had done it, it might have been better I always go, they go, who's your favorite director? And of course, they, you know, I've worked for Spielberg. That's like saying to a baseball player, you play with Babe Ruth. Who's your favorite? Of course, Babe Ruth's the greatest player. And they go, no, it was such and such. But Babe right. Ruth, you play with Babe Ruth. I was directed by Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg is the greatest director ever. Saying Steven Spielberg was a great director, it's like saying, you know, Shakespeare was a good writer. Of course he is. Everybody right. knows that. And it was <laughs> but I preferred Bob Zemeckis because Zemeckis was more of a comedy director. He mm. did. I did his first film called I Want to Hold Your Hand. I don't know if you saw that, but it's a Beatles film. I do know film. of it, no. You have to stream that. That was Zemeckis' first film, and it was the first film Steven Spielberg ever produced. We did it in 78. It was about four kids going to see the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show in 64. When oh, they come okay. to America. Yeah, yeah. So definitely stream that. It's a great movie. I think it's the best thing I ever did, and it was because of Zemeckis. And Bob remembered me all these years later, and he wrote me wrote a role for me in Polar Express. The, the know-it-all character I play in Polar Express, he's not in right. the book. He doesn't exist. But Bob right. just created this character, and he yeah, said, Eddie, I want you to play this. And he's the, he's the greatest director. He's like a father to me. He knows just how to direct me. Wow, man. I mean, is there any really big memories from that movie? I mean, why is it from 1978 is still your favorite? From I Want to Hold Your Hand? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, my proudest thing is the Beatles saw it, except uh, John I never found out, but I know Paul saw it. And somebody said, Paul, which is your favorite of the Beatles movies? And he goes, I like that Ringo Klaus film. And that was me, Ringo Klaus. That's who I played. So Paul McCartney saw it. George saw it. And he said it was a good historical film. And Ringo, I've got two stories. Ringo, I read in one of the tablets that Ringo and Paul saw it. And they both liked it. They're, they're but then I, another guy told me, he said, Ringo saw it. And he goes, he didn't like it. So Ringo, I don't know if he liked it or not. And John, I've always, it's one of my goals. I wanted to know if he did see it. 
I'm thinking he did because John was like, you know, off in those years. It was 78. Right. So he was like not doing yeah. anything. That was so I'm, I'm thinking he might have gone yeah. into a theater and seen it, but I never found out if he saw it. But, um, you know, working with Spielberg, Stephen and I were friends and we'd be around on the set. And and Nick, I got my first line put in the movie. Again, this sounds like a nothing line now because the joke's been done a million times now. But I think this was the first time it was ever used. There was mm-hmm. a line in the movie where I, I'm in the movie. Do, do you know Dick Miller, the character actor? Yes, I do. He did, yeah, a lot of Roger Cornfield. He did like 300 yeah. movies, but he's the cop yeah. in the movie. In the room, he goes, now I got you, little shit. And then I go, I'm going to say, who you calling little? It's like, a, and then Steven broke up. And he goes, that's funny. And then Steven calls the Mecca over. He goes, Eddie's going to say this. And then I told him Bob broke up and they put it in. I think that was the first time that joke was used. But now it's been used, oh. you know. Now I got you yeah. disgusting horror. And you go, who you calling disgusting? You know, they, yeah. in other words, they focus on the adjective and not the mean noun, you know. But I, right. that joke was mine. Put in. So that was the first line I ever wrote in a movie. So I was proud of that. And uh, he just captured me. If you watch I Want to Hold You and you see me doing Daffy Duck again, you'll see me really doing my character, doing really good slapstick, you know, slapstick yeah. stuff. And it's just it's a it's a wonderful, great movie. So, yeah, please stream that. You, you can easily get it on DVD or stream it, I'm sure, anywhere. I'm, go- I'm going to look it up. I'm honest. Yeah. This, this, this is... I mean, you're feeding me more than I need to, and I'm a movie buff anyway. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. It's I want to hold your hand. W a n n a. Not not I want the Beatles record is I want to hold your hand. Even though yeah. they're singing I want to hold your hand, it's called I want to. But this movie's called I want to hold your hand. W a n n a. Hold your hand. Okay. All right, man. I'm in with that, man. I mean, yeah. you know. So I mean, you got the Daffy Duck style character, right? Um, what is it for like I teach a lot of it on the side I teach a lot of courses about perseverance I mean mm-hmm. what is it that keeps you going well, in the early days and this this is purely pragmatic this is purely pragmatic and practical in my early days and this is the trouble with a lot of actors it's, it's purely economical in the early days you know you got to support yourself no actors yeah. gonna you know actors as you know actors I think maybe like one percent work if that because there's like literally right. millions of actors out there and there's, you know, a few hundred or maybe a thousand roles or whatever. It's just right. sheer numbers. You can be, you know, you could be Jimmy Stewart or Jimmy Cagney or Bogart. And, you you know, maybe the casting director doesn't like you or something, you know, maybe you remind him of his ex-husband or whatever, your ex-wife. And, you know, you have to get the job. So you have to keep going. My dad saved my bacon. My dad in these days, this was 1975 through 77 before I got Greece. I was two years and my dad would send me $400 every month. And wow. that kept me going. In, in those days, Nick, it's not a lot now, but in those days, I paid my rent and it paid my groceries, you know, and he kept me going. A lot of actors, you know, want to get in and they can't. I, so whenever an actor, you know, I'll say, they'll say, like, what do I do? What do I do when I get in showbiz? And the first thing I'll go to is make sure you have money saved. Make sure you have a nest egg, you know, a few thousand dollars at least because you're going to need that. And of course, you're going to have to buy pictures besides that. But just to keep feeding yourself and having a place to stay, you know, you got to have the money. So that kept me going economically. And then I got Greece and I started rolling. I got a, a low budget film called Laser Blast. I don't know if you ever saw that, but they I, did a great thing on Laser Blast. Yeah. Mystery Science Theater 3000 did a satire Laser Blast. Yeah. Which is funnier than the yeah. movie. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. way better than the movie. And then I yeah. got a one to hold your hand. And then I got 1941 and things started rolling. Wow, man. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so there, there's. And you have to want it real bad, Nick. I, I had a guy, um, one of my early handlers, name was Gabe. He was like an early manager of mine. And he took me aside. He goes, do you want it really? I was just getting started. And he goes, this is what he told me. And I think this is kind of true. He goes, do you want it really bad? And I go, yeah. He goes, I'm, no, no. He goes, do you want it really, really bad? Do you want to make it really bad? I go, yeah. He goes, you have to have that. He goes, you have to have that fire that you want to make it really bad. Right. That keeps yeah. you going. And that kept me going. There was this desire. They asked, uh, do you know baseball? Do you know Joe DiMaggio? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, Joe DiMaggio was married to Marilyn Monroe. You know, he was like yeah. the greatest baseball player of all time. But right. he said he had a famous quote, and I think it applies to an actor. And, you know, Nick, it probably applies to everybody in any profession. That's great. He goes, I used to burn to play. He said, I used yeah. to burn inside. I wanted to get on that field, and I would burn. And I think, you know, great yeah. artists, Picasso, you know, burn. I think Shakespeare probably burned to write, you know, playwrights. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, probably the great doctors, Einstein, or the great yeah. men in history, the great women in history, they yeah. probably had that burning desire, and that made them great. Yeah, it was. I had a mentor of mine at one point who used to use this quote. He said, "When you'll succeed, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe." Yeah, exactly. If you, exactly. Want, if you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then if you're yeah. in the water and you do that, then you will have that drive and keep. Yeah, going. there's something inside, and I think I think Marilyn Monroe had that. You know, yeah. I think you know Chaplin had that. Buster Keaton, I think they had that, and then that's what did it. Yeah. And and I think even with Buster Keaton as well is because he really didn't know anything else. And yeah, Buster Keaton was raised that way. And Chaplin was pretty much raised yeah. on stage. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. yeah, Buster Keaton was raised by circus performers too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how his name Buster came to be. Right. Um, and it came to be. But I mean, I think, you know, when it was at a, at the birth of an industry that nobody knew it was going to happen. Right. No, nobody knew. It was I, gonna I was happen. talking to Steve the other day about how we're in the midst. We're in the early days, literally, because movies have been going for, you know, a little over 100 years, 120 years or whatever. Right. And yeah. books, you know, go back to Shakespeare or whatever, the, the 14th right. century. And these, you know, Shakespeare's the classics, you know, mm-hmm. Milton or who the great, you know, uh, and let alone the philosophers, Socrates and all they were captured in books. Socrates, Plato, all yeah. these great minds, their stuff has been written in books. Books have been the art form, yeah. you know, art or I don't know. I guess Galileo and the great minds would not be art, but you know, the great writings and all were preserved in books. Now we have movies. These movies will be looked on in hundreds or thousands of years. They're 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 like books. They're recorded now, and we have DVDs, you know, you can record on on computers, and they'll always be there. So you have this constant record of what's going on. Whereas all these great artists, imagine the thousands of years, Nick, that we've lost these great. Imagine the past. There's there's must have been chaplains and beautiful women like Marilyn Monroe and guys as good as Buster Keaton, but we'll never see them. You know, we just have right. recordings from like 1900 on. Yeah. I mean, how lucky we are to live in a time like this. Yeah. You yeah. know, where, where we can Technology. do Technology. Our society, technologically, we're growing and growing and getting smarter and smarter. Whereas intellectually, philosophically, we're getting stupider and stupider. You know, the world seems to be getting yeah. dumber and dumber. But yeah. technologically, we're, we're giants, you know? Yeah. I mean, so what do you think is like one of the things that's next, you know, where you have the industry changing, where... Even in my own lifetime, I'm, you know, I'm just knocking on the door of 40 myself. Oh, you know, you're a kid. I'm 66, yeah. Nick. I did Greece when I was 20. So that was 45 years ago. Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. when you have that, I mean, going from, like you said, Betamax to VHS tapes, mm-hmm. you know, from over the air to theaters and now. Yeah, and all you do is push a button on a computer now. Any movie yeah. you ever want to see. Everything is. Let alone, you don't even have to pay. You go to YouTube's got almost everything. YouTube's yeah. got like every Beatles concert. You can just, right. I want to see the Beatles play Germany in 66. And it, you know, the concert's right there. Are you serious? Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of Elvis. You know, we, we would yeah. like this. Elvis was kind of pre-filmed. There's only very spotty stuff of Elvis on site. You got to see that magic guy. And unfortunately, yeah. we missed a lot of that. Yeah. You know, to see Elvis in the 50s must have been so dynamite to see a full Elvis concert. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I can't disagree with you. I absolutely agree. I agree with yeah. you. Percent. He started it all. You know, without Elvis, there wouldn't have been the Beatles. You know, no question. Now, I, I, one of our hosts is actually a very big Elvis fan, and she introduced me to quite a bit of it. I mean, now, what do you, what do you think is next? How would you know? What do you think is next for the industry? Well, unfortunately, now they're getting this AI stuff. Mm. Which, you know, they're saying this is what I hear. And again, we're talking about technology is kind of like we've created Frankenstein. Supposedly with AI, they can get your voice and they can create a character and they don't even need you. That's kind of supposedly the strike with the current strike, which has gone on like 130 days or whatever, which I love my writer friends. I God, these writers are so, you know, as you know, writers are the unsung heroes of movies. You know, mm. the, the actors get all the credit and the directors win the awards. It, 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 and I guess writers win the awards too, but writers are the unsung heroes. They, the script, the whole, you know, Greece wouldn't have happened unless these guys wrote Greece, you know, or, mm. or Casablanca or Citizen Kane or City Lights, the writers, you know, with the writers, I guess, was Chaplin with Chaplin, but that's an exception. But the writers, we need them so much. And I so hope they settle the strike. These poor guys, you know, I really do, too. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah, I really do. But anyway, like I was saying, AI, you know, and uh, CGI, you know, they say you can create a care. You can, they could do a movie now. They could take, um, you know, Jimmy Cagney, let's say Jimmy Cagney, and do a Jimmy Cagney movie and, you know, get Cagney's voice and make his body on a computer and make a move. Oh, you're dirty rat, and have a Jimmy Cagney movie. It's kind of scary. I think it it is. And I mean, there's a movie... Uh, that was but it was starring Robin Wright. It's called The Congress. That mm-hmm. deals with that. That deals with that particular future. I mean, I, I, I think you know. I don't want to dwell too much on that. And I know it's something that's difficult. But I want to just have a little fun with this one. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a movie that you believe just? And there's no wrong answer on this. Uh-huh. You believe you would have done a. You would have had a fun time in that role. <laughs> 
you know, going oh, right. There was, there was one a couple of days ago. There was these a couple of mistakes I made in my career. You know, we all have regrets. Yeah. You know, they, these people, I always go, these people that say I have no regrets in life, I go, have you really lived? Are you serious? Right. How yeah, can yeah, you live yeah. a lifetime and not have regrets? There, there was this one beautiful, just to get up to somebody for a minute, there was this one gorgeous girl and I, Nick, I had her in the bag. She was so ready to go. And I, for some reason, I didn't go out with her. And I, this beautiful girl, this was like 40 years ago. And I, to this day, I regret not going out with this beautiful, gorgeous girl. She was right there. She was, she was right there, you know, giving herself to me. And for some reason, I didn't go out, you know, and I always, I look back and I regret that moment. But anyway, my my biggest, uh, one of my regrets, not my biggest, but there was one called Rock and Roll High School. I didn't do that. That wasn't my choice. Believe it or not, I, I was busy. I, it was 79. I do it. I was doing 1941, Midnight Madness, which was Michael J. Fox's first film, and a right. terrible movie called Stiegler and Stiegler. I did in San Francisco, a totally forgotten turkey. That's the movie I met my ex-wife on. It was a roller skating disco film, but I, I was too busy. And I was, I was supposed to play the Clint Howard role in Rock and Roll High School. They wrote the role in for me, but I couldn't do it. Same thing with Meatballs. The role of Spaz and Meatballs was written for me, but I couldn't do it because I was too busy in those days. I was, I was a young hot actor in those days and I, I i was too busy now my biggest regret in tv i'll tell you this is a true story sure and this will come back to haunt you this is the rule i've learned in 66 years like this is what i've learned don't be afraid just jump in even if you're terrified you got to do it but they they had written a role for me in mork and mindy they wrote a role eddie and i was supposed to work with Robin Williams, and i chickened out i literally go oh my god robin Williams! i, I would have been overwhelmed you know a movie i can kind of confront stars because movies you get used to them and you do take up take. but a live tv show with an audience to, and it's hard for me to memorize lines and robin was with quick mind and his ad libs yeah i go turn him down i can't do it yeah and my agent was a nice guy named bernie he goes okay i'll turn it down he was a very nice guy and i've always looked back on that it was something i regretted i, I, I like chickened out it's kind of like i, I should have jumped in the water and done it i could have met robin Wicks. and here's the postscript to it nick i got i told that story on my facebook page and i wrote about it and a guy sent me a pm that made me cry he goes he goes eddie i knew robin williams i work with him on work and mindy he goes if robin williams knew you were scared or were having a problem he would have made sure you were comfortable he would have got you cue cards he said if he knew you had stage fright off he would have cleared the audience he would have made sure you were safe he would have done take after take and he would have bent over backwards to make sure you were comfortable and when i read that i almost cried because I, I realized what a sweet guy robin i'm sure it was true and but the lesson I learned in life is you got to take the risk sometimes. You know, it's, it's not necessarily good to always be safe. And in those days, I was young, you know, and I I, I should have done it. I would have been scared out of my wits, yeah. but I should have done it, done it. And I, I always regret that. Yeah. Would there imagine a time, if you will, like if there was a universe where you could jump into a real classic film? Like, mm -hmm. would you imagine yourself in, let's say, Jimmy Stewart's Harvey? No, I, I wouldn't, not in a drama role, but I would do it mm -hmm. for comedies. I mean, I would, if oh. I would come back and be somebody, and this is, this is my own metaphysical thoughts. You're going to laugh your head off at this. Okay? Good, but I've always believed I was, I'm telling you this for the first time. You're going to laugh. Okay. But this is my metaphysical heart. I've always believed I was Curly Howard in another life. I believe I was that guy because I felt things. Yeah. I've watched the films and yeah. I felt so strongly that I was there and I did that thing. I don't, I don't know why. Um, and maybe it's totally wrong, but I, I've always believed I was him in another life. He died in 1952 and I was born in 57, yeah. but that's my deepest philosophical life. I would love to be him more than anybody else. You know, he, he's my supreme hero. He was, if I could have been anybody history, I would have been done him. Now, sadly, I don't know if you know his history. He was in bad pain. He right. had a, he, when he was a kid, he shot himself accidentally in the foot and you'll see in the movies, he kind of limped. So he lived his life in pain and he yeah. died. He was only 48. He was, he died a young man, but he left yeah, this he legacy of like, yeah. He yeah, he left his legacy of like bro. 80 really good films, you know, really yeah. hilarious films that'll that have stuck through the ages, you know, gone down in history. Oh, God, I yeah. think he's the greatest he makes, you know, whoever makes you laugh, them you go, who was the greatest comedian? And you go, like I I'm on the on Facebook, there's a Turner Classic Movies page. I don't know if you're on it. I am. But yeah, people battle and they go, What was the best movie? What was the best black and white movie ever made? And I, I was going, when you say that, you go, in other words, you're saying, what was your favorite? It's the same thing. What is your favorite right. film? Is the best yeah. film. So for me, the best black and white film was A, a Hard Day's Night, the Beatles movie, because that's my Very favorite movie choice. of all time. Yeah. So to me, that was the best movie ever made. So that's kind of answering his question. And they go, who was the greatest comedian of all time? And they go, well, Curly wasn't an artist like Charlie Chaplin. He didn't do pathos. And I know, but to me, he made me laugh the most. So he was the greatest comedian in my right. heart. It's like, to you your wife or your girlfriend, you go, who's the most beautiful woman in the world? And I'm sure you go, she's the most beautiful woman in the world because she's in your heart. And right. a woman, you know, my husband's the handsomest man in the world because that's how you feel. You know, aesthetics is totally subjective. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder and, and aesthetics is all that way. Dang, man. Wow. 
<laughs> Eddie Deason is giving me some knowledge today. Give me a lot to think about. This is great. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there anyone that you would have loved to work with or meet? In history? Yeah. In history, um, actors or whoever. Oh, sure. Definitely. I would be a... I would have been honored, you know, Chaplin, of course, Charlie Chaplin, I would love to admit. I, I'm, I'm more into actors than actresses. I have three favorite actresses. <laughs> Mae West, I love. And I, I still got to see Dirty Blonde, that PBS special. I was in the hospital, I didn't get to see it. We have it on order in the library. Marilyn Monroe, of course, I'm, I love. She was, yeah. she, I don't, she's the most incredible person because I've never seen anybody who loved the camera as much and was in such rapport with the camera. Right. You picture, and she never took a bad picture. Every no. picture of her, she's gorgeous and she's fascinating. I yeah. found one Nick online and she's praying. Marilyn Monroe is like fervently praying. And I go, Marilyn Monroe praying. But it's a beautiful, touching picture of Marilyn Monroe praying. She's she's not this bombshell, but she's like this woman in pain praying. And it's it's beautiful. And I love uh, Natalie Wood. My favorite yeah. chick flick is Splendor in the Grass. It makes me cry every time. And I, that, the, you know, the final scene of Splendor in the Grass gets me every time. I love that movie. Awesome. And anyway, to answer your question, I would love to work with the three students. I would love to work with the Marx Brothers, you know. Oh, I, I love Dr. Marx. I love Harpo. They're two yeah. of my great heroes. Uh, Laurel and Hardy, I would love to have worked with. I would love to have met him. You know what I was thinking of an interchange that I thought of at lunch, Nick? This is an interchange in history. The Marx Brothers, okay? You know Zeppo. Yeah. And you know Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. I thought Dean Martin could have been Zeppo in the Marx Brothers films, and Zeppo could have been the straight man for Jerry Lewis. They could have exchanged, and it would have been the same thing. They're both like these handsome leading men. And Dean was kind of wooden in the Jerry Lewis films. Like Dean became a great actor in Rio Bravo. And, you he know, did, uh, career. Yeah. And um, yeah. what was the other one? He did The Young Lions with Montgomery Clift. He's a great actor. But in the yeah. Martin and Lewis days, he's kind of just a wooden straight man. And he would come out and sing a couple songs. And that's kind of what Zeppo was. He was like this wooden straight man who would sing. And, you know, I, I thought Dean could have been the fourth Marx brother. And Zeppo could have, it could have been Zeppo, Marx, and Jerry Lewis in the 50s. I think it would have been the same thing. Holy cow, man. Yeah. That's a really good way to think of it. That's really yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> wow, I was thinking of I was thinking of Dean Martin and Duck Soup. Yeah, that, I think I mean it would have been a waste of talent. We didn't see until Dean split up with Jerry. We didn't really see how incredibly talented he was and how funny he right. was. And then of course we had the Dean Martin show, and he was a riot in that. Yeah. But in the Martin and Lewis films, he's kind of, he's just a total straight man. He's kind of a bland character, yeah. and you, and you know and you watch it and he, he'll occasionally get it throw him a bone, but he's not really that funny. It was yeah. you know because Jerry was so dynamic. It was right. all thrown to Jerry, you know, whereas Laurel right. and Hardy, you know, they were both funny. The Marx yeah. Brothers, they were all three funny, you know, the three Stooges. Larry was a little lesser, but they were all three funny, you yeah. know. I mean, one of my favorite heroes, of, one of my comedy heroes of all time is Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman was great, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Harvey, yeah. yeah. Harvey Corman, it was the way, Lamar. the way that he would play off Tim Conway. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, like my one of my favorite comedy sketches of all time is The Dentist. Yes, that's hilarious. Where you kept laughing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know exactly who it is. But when you know they're, you know, Harvey Corman is lying there as the patient, and then um, you know Tim Conway as the dentist goes, he grabs the anesthetic and just hits it right, you know, grabs yeah. his palm right on his face and starts yeah. around and starts moving. Yes, hits his leg, and then Harvey yeah. has to stand there straight and then starts laughing. Yeah, it starts laughing and guiding everybody directly. I mean, to me, that was just and also at Blazing Saddles. I mean, all he had to do was walk yes. around and just correct people on his name. Exactly. Headley, yeah. Headley, you know, it's just yeah. Headley. I mean, that just always got me. I, I that movie, that's one of the things you say. What makes it classic? That's that's a classic. Every character <laughs> in that movie is funny. Every scene is funny. It's yeah. one of the most perfect movies ever made. It's such a hilariously funny movie. Yeah. So where where would you if you got the chance to go into that movie what what would you play what would you do in Blazing Saddles yeah if I could have my choice let me think let me think all the characters there's yeah. a like obviously I couldn't play Cleveland Little let's see <laughs> Gene Wilder um, I'm not a good enough actor Gene Wilder Gene Wilder is such a great actor he's so great yeah. some of his movies you know some of his stuff's pretty serious in that movie he'll he'll like be he'll like say some serious stuff and he's like a great actor um let me see um. I'm not sure. Maybe I would just probably be a bit of relief, you know, comedy relief. I, I can't think of anybody in Blazing Saddles that I would necessarily be. Uh, young Frankenstein, I might have played Igor. I don't know. Maybe I, I could have hunched up and played Marty yeah. Feldman. Girl. Maybe I could. I wouldn't yeah. be as good as Marty, but I could have played that maybe. Airplane, I auditioned for Airplane. 
Really? And believe it or not, they had me audition for the Robert Hayes role, which was so stupid. He, he's like this handsome leading man guy. And, you yeah. know, I, I was at the audition. It was like cricket, you know. OK, Elaine, we're going to land this plane. I'm going to fly the plane in at 40,000 feet. And, it, you know, and they're sitting there. I go, why did you have me read for that? I could have done any one of these little bit roles. You know, just give me a little cameo. It would have been funny. Yeah. I yeah. auditioned for Animal House. They had me read for Animal House, and it was crickets again. And I think I could have played a funny role in that one. I don't know. I yeah. think I could have played – you know, not John was irreplaceable, but I could have played maybe a little role, Stork or somebody, you know. Wow, man. Wow. Yeah. Now, what would – out of all your roles that you've done, if somebody who doesn't know your – doesn't know anything about your career, doesn't know anything about it from you, here's a chance <laughs> for you just to pitch yourself – what are like three top movies that you would say that's your best and you would vouch for somebody to go see? Well, this is one. Okay. This is where I got granted one of my wish. We all have our bucket list yep. and I'm, I'm Jewish, Nick. And my, one of my bucket lists was I, I'm a Christmas nut. I love yeah. sending out Christmas cards. I love buying Christmas presents. I love Christmas. It's my favorite day of the year. I just love it. And I always okay. want to do a Christmas movie. Yeah, And I, they got, they called me in, Bob Zemeckis called me in and I tested for Polar Express and I did it and he wrote the role just for me. So that yeah. would definitely be one because it's, it's a Christmas staple now. It's Christmas class going to show every Christmas right. and I'm very yeah. proud of that. Grease, I would, even though Grease had a very small role, just because Grease is such a feel good movie. I just go watch it. Steve and I always say, once in a while you run to a person and they haven't seen Grease, you know, there'll be a young kid or whatever. Pretty much every adult has seen Grease, I think, on the planet. But a young kid, we met a young hostess yesterday and she hadn't seen Grease. We go, you got to see this movie. It'll, you you'll feel good so grease just to feel good you know i think war games a good one just as, as uh i have the one good scene where i have only in one scene in war games but it's a good movie it's just a good movie and steve and i were talking about it about uh it, it, the, at that time in 83 we were scared about war with russians you know you see how the world changed we were scared that somebody's going to set off a nuclear bomb yeah. and we were going to blow up the planet and also it was the early days you know the computers in war games are like as big as a room now right, you know, we have right, a computer yeah, in yeah. your watch. You know, you have all yeah. the all the stuff in the computers and war games you can have in your watch. Now you can put in on on there. You know, it's that's how technologically we progress. But war games is oh, really yeah. good. But there, yeah. yeah, there you go. There yeah, you go. On my phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a very funny B. I did so many B movies. You know, if you yeah. you know me, I guess you know my credits. There's yeah. one called Midnight Madness. It was Michael J. Fox's first movie. That's a very funny B movie. And that's got, you know, Maggie Roswell is in it, who's in The Simpsons now. She plays one of the roles in The Simpsons. Michael's in it. And you'll, you'll see my old pal Pee Wee Herman, whose birthday is today. Pee Wee, that's his first movie. He plays a cowboy in the arcade, and you'll see Pee Wee yeah. in that movie. So that's a B movie I'm very proud of. Paul, Paul Rubens was in that? Yeah, he's in it. You'll see him in the arcade. Look for the scene in the arcade, and he'll come out as a cowboy. You know, I'm, one just, I'm just playing in my head. Yeah. That, that was Paul Rubens, huh? That's Paul Rubens. That's before he was Pee Wee. Wow, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Oh, so I mean, I it's I appreciate that, man. And I know there's other things. Um, Steve asked me, I know you uh you know, one person you always wanted to meet was Henry Winkler. Yeah, I love Henry. I've been a fan. And the reason I said is first of all, I'm a huge fan. I love yeah. he's one of my favorite celebrities. I've one, I've heard only good things about him. You know, right. almost every celebrity, there's some dirt on him. He right. did this or da-da-da or something. Yeah. Henry Winkler, I've heard only good things about. And I'm just a huge fan. I just he wrote a little book, Nick, in, in the 70s. It was called Henry Winkler something. And it was one of my favorite books when I came to Hollywood. I, I read the book like five or six times. It was such a beautiful book. And he told his life story, but and this is like the early days of Fonzie. And I always wish, why doesn't he write his autobiography? He should write a full autobiography. He's, he's done so many things he's come so far it would be a great read but i i love him as a person i think he's such a mensch he's such a great guy and another one that, that i always want to meet is uh richard dreyfus i've never, the reason i say these two yeah. is they i've done that i've been doing the signing show you know the conventions and comic cons yeah. i've been doing it for 40 years i've seen yeah. like everybody i've met sylvester stallone barbara yeah. eden you know william shatner all down the list but yeah. i've never i've never done shows with these guys and they've both done a lot of shows we've crossed paths but we've never done the same shows together Wow. So those are the two guys I like to meet most. And Henry Winkler, yeah, is one of my supreme heroes. I just, I've always just loved the guy. Me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my personal ones. I actually met him about uh, just a little under a month ago. Oh, is that right? What happened? Yeah, it was up in Boston. It was at a fan <laughs> expo. And you said it right. But one of the things that I sticks in my brain, um, we had to check in, you know, where we were because we had to get, we were up for photo ops. But they said, if you want to spend a little time or you want to you want to talk with them, best to go to his booth right now. Mm -hmm. Go there and there's the long list of booths. He's next to William Shatner. Oh, my God. You know, that was a great A show. Now, here's the deal, though. William Shatner's booth 
is empty. What? You're kidding. No, he's sitting there tapping a pen. Are you serious? Just wait. You know, he's there. I'm like, but his people are trying to pull people in. Henry Winkler's booth. There's a line that zigzagged all the way. You're kidding. That that really frightened me because I thought William Shatner was the star. I thought he's like the uh, top celebrity. Out in Boston, brother. Now in Boston, I mean Jim. Um, I almost said Jimmy Stewart, but uh, Henry Winkler was a is a graduate at Emerson College. Okay. You know, he just, you know, but everybody there just loved him, and it was estimated ten thousand people a day came to see him in the three days. Oh my God! So he couldn't so, handle it. There's no way he can yeah. handle ten thousand people. So I get there in the front, and I mean, he shakes my hand. He's like, "Hey, how you doing?" And I'm like, oh. and I'm like, Henry Winkler's talking to me. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and for me, uh, I grew up with cerebral palsy and dyslexia and things, and when oh. I learned about how he overcame his dyslexia i took yeah. the blueprint and right. i used it to overcome all of my issues and all the things mm -hmm. i've done and i just got a chance to thank him mm -hmm. and you know, i said it's cliche to say this in front of you but i gotta say you taught me how to be cool and you know, he says, you know and he goes you already are cool i'm like Fun. What a nice, thing. what a nice guy. What a beautiful thing to say. He's a total mensch. He's like, one I got to meet. I got to meet yeah, him. It really is worth it. I mean, he just genuinely was one of the greatest guys. And I mean, I would say, yes, it's definitely, um, you know, I'm sure there's a convention schedule or something that I hope I get to do a show fun. with him. I mean, I would yeah. do anything. And, and the same yeah. with Richard Davis, maybe to a lesser extent, but I'm, I'm such a huge Jaws fan and I'm yeah. such a huge American graffiti fan. And yeah. he just seems like he's so such a wonderful actor in those two movies. And those movies had such a profound effect on me. Jaws, <laughs> I mean, it, it's such a beautiful, great movie. And yeah. he plays such a great character, you know? Yeah, I mean, Jaws is a big one here where I live. I live in the town of Fall River, Massachusetts. I mean, Matt, you know, um, uh, was it Martha's Vineyard? Where right. we filmed is about is about an hour away from us. Oh, cool! So, I mean, it is one of those come July Fourth. I mean, it is a very right. big movie around here. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, I work with Murray. You know, of course, you know, nineteen forty one. Murray was a lovely guy. We're the Ferris. Yeah. We spent like two months on the Ferris wheel together. Soup, nicest guy ever. He had, he was he was like a four pack a day smoker. And Stephen had oxygen tanks for him. And we, we were on a hot, you know, we were on this gigantic Ferris wheel, me, yeah. Murray, and my dummy, you know. Yeah. And Stephen would have to bring us down. He, he couldn't breathe. And Stephen had these oxygen tanks. <sighs> he, you know, he'd have to get breath. He, he was a fairly old man at that time, you know, and he, he'd been smoking four packs a day for God knows how long. So his lungs were probably so destroyed, you know. Yeah. So he got, he got through the shoot. He was a total pro, but he couldn't breathe up there a lot of the time. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a true story. Holy cow, man. Oh, this is really cool. This is wild, man. Yeah. Thank you for telling me that. Now, yeah. Um, yeah. You I... want to hear my favorite 1941 story? Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Okay, we're we're on the Ferris wheel, okay? And there's yeah. a scene. Did you see 1941? Yes, I did. Yep. Okay, there's a scene where we roll off the pier, you know, they shut us yeah. down and we roll off the pier, and that was done with miniatures, but they had to match it, you know, they had the miniatures and they didn't disperse it with a real cut of us. So yeah. Stephen was whipping us around, you know, like we're going off the pier. And he had the Ferris wheel going full speed. Yeah. Now, Nick, I get bad motion sickness when I go around in circles and he was whipping us around and I started to feel sick. And I said, Steven, can you please stop? So I called him to stop it. He let me off. So I'm shaky leg and, you know, wobbly legged. I go over, yeah. I, go, I feel nauseous. He goes, go lay down in my dressing room. So Steven had his beautiful secretary. She walked me to his dressing room. I lay down in his cot. So I'm laying in the cot and I started to feel nauseous. Nick, I crawled on my hands and knees. Literally, I crawled to his toilet and I threw up. And I go, oh my God, I threw up at Steven Spielberg's toilet. I go, I just threw up at Steven Spielberg's toilet. I go, this is one of the highlights of my life. This is one of the highlights of my career. And that was my biggest memory of 1941, throwing up at Steven's toilet. <laughs> my other, my other great memory, my other great memory, Nick, was I was on 1941 and I, it was lunchtime. And yeah. Steven walks by Cassie. He goes, Eddie, you want to go to lunch with us? And I'm going, yeah, I'll go to lunch with Steven Spielberg. You know, what the right? thing? I cuss on your show. I go, what the F, you know, of course. So I go, we, we go to the back of the, the commissary. I think it was, the, it was either the MGM commissary or it might have been the Universal. 41 was done with two different studios. I think it was the MGM commissary, but we're in the back of the commissary. Okay. Steven Spielberg sitting there, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and me, the four of us. Yeah. So I'm like Ralph Cramden, you know, humana, 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 humana. I, I didn't say a word. Nick, I could not talk. I literally couldn't talk. I sit there with my jaw dropping. Yeah. Somehow I ordered my lunch. I don't remember what it was. So uh, for like an hour, those three are kibitzing, and I'm, I'm like listening like an idiot, nodding my head, and I didn't say a word. Then finally I realized I didn't have any money. I go, oh, my God, I can't pay for lunch. And luckily Stephen picked up the tab.
So I got, that was my lunch with Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lunch with Spielberg, Belushi, and Aykroyd. Coolest lunch of my life. Spielberg, Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Yep, and, and me. Ra Ralph Cramden was there too? No, you know, you've seen The Honeymooners, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Cramden, you know, hamana, hamana, hamana. I'm yeah. just saying, oh, I'm so okay, yeah. You know, when Ralph sees a beautiful woman, he'll go, hamana, hamana, hamana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, means yeah. like, oh my God, geez, what am I doing here? It's like, I'm on another planet. He was like overwhelmed. So I'm, hamana, hamana. It's, it's, it's nomenclature. It just means I can't speak. I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah, I, I got you, man. I, I got yeah. you there. I was, I'm thinking for a moment, I'm like, wait, Ralph Cramden was there too? Like, that's no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting this together in my head, just trying to picture. I think I would be the same way too. Yeah. I was a 22-year-old kid, you know. I just got into I've been in the business for two years, and I'm talking to these legends, you know. And John right. would be gone not that far in the future. You know, he was only going to last a couple more years. Well, right, yeah. Now, I think we want to wrap this one up here. I want to say, like, for anyone, um, for anyone who's getting into the movies, I mean, who has been, you know, you, you're, you know, you've been there if you've been, it was your fifth decade doing this right now or inside your fifth decade, what advice would you have for somebody who wants to get into it now? Well, like I say, have a nest egg, definitely have a nest egg, have, definitely have money. That's the biggest thing. Now, the other necessarily evil is you have to find an agent. You're going to need an right. agent because you can't do it yourself. So I always go find a friend with an agent and get him inter to introduce you. Definitely have a friend with an agent. You have to have an acting friend. Find someone with an agent and say, can I meet your agent? Can your agent talk right. to me and see if you can get agents? Because the other way is you have to send your picture out. You send right. out pictures, and every agent has like a stack yeah, of pictures. They have virtually no yeah. chance. Hardly anybody's yeah. going to look at your picture and say, "Oh my God, I'm impressed. I want to call." Because they just have too many, or a lot of agents aren't seeing new clients. But if they have a client that knows an agent and they can maybe put in a good word for you, maybe that can help. You have to get an agent. You have to have the money, and like I say, you have to, you know, you have to want it real bad. And the other philosophical, metaphysical thing is you have to believe in yourself which is true in any profession in life, but in showbiz, right. of course, in baseball, if you're a doctor or a secretary or whatever, really believe in yourself and you can't give up that belief in yourself that, you know, I'm, I'm worth it. I'm really great. I can do the job. So believe in yourself and don't give up. Don't let anybody disabuse you of your own greatness, you know, because everybody does have their own greatness. Somebody's the Michael Jordan of something. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. the Michael Jordan of something. Somebody's the Babe Ruth of something. Somebody's, yeah. you know, the Henry Winkler of something, the Curly Howard, whatever. Yeah. You know, there, there's probably, there's probably, you know, Nick, there's probably this nurse that's probably the greatest nurse country. And we don't know her name, but she's, there's probably this nurse who goes and every patient gets blown out. She's so cool. Or the greatest doctor, you know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's probably the greatest secretary in the world out there. We don't know her. And she's taking these notes and her boss is like, blown. I can't believe how efficient you are, you know? Right. Man, so I definitely I want to thank you for joining us in this wonderful conversation, man. Oh, I, sure. This has been so much fun, and so it's always great to do this. Um, for Movie Theater Time Machine fans, we want to thank you for taking time. And for everybody who's listened to this, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Uh, but this has Grizz been great, man. Eddie Deason, thank you very much. And as well, thank you. I, I want to thank you, Nick. You're you're a totally wonderful guy. You're you're a marvelous gentleman. You're, it's a pleasure thank to talk you, to you. And thank you for having me on your show. Please have me back sometime. I love doing I your podcast, you, man. And for yeah. everybody else, we always want to say, be good and take care of yourself. But don't be that good now. <laughs>